Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. Thanks, Tim and Melissa. And back in the band, did it great this morning. Love that new song. Really good. <clears throat> Thanks. Well, everybody, welcome to church. What a, what a fantastic 2019 we're having. Looking for a response. <laughs> wake up, wake up. <clears throat> it's time to get into it. I'm just uh, very excited to be able to start sharing on why church and... Um, and uh, we've had a great uh, Christmas and New Year's, and um, we, uh, we pray about these themes, like next week when we're fasting, no, the following week, we pray about the year and, you know, different themes and stuff, and uh, it's always, always great. You can, I mean, we'll give you some instructions if you haven't fasted before, but that's, that's a normal part of church life. Jesus gave us some directions about when we fast, not if we fast, so part of a follower's life is learning to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. So that's what we do when we fast. It's not a hunger strike, trying to blackmail God into doing something, but it's, uh, it's, about, it's about suppressing some, some appetites to release some other appetites. So <clears throat> look forward. My, my flesh doesn't look forward to it, but my spirit really looks forward to it. I want to talk about why church. Here's why, um, and thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us and leading us this morning. Um, <clears throat> in, uh, we moved here in 1995 uh, with a mandate to plant a church. And um, after uh, about five years, it seemed to have been shaken apart. We're, we had a weekend attendance of about 140, 150 people. And after five years, we were at about 40. And I wondered, like, what's going on? Because, Lord, you said you were going to... Jay would remember that. <clears throat> There's a few that remembers those days. <clears throat> I went on a bit of a rant at night and uh, saying, Lord, you said you were going to build your church. Uh, what's happening? This one seems to be falling apart. And he instantly said, that's because you built it, not me. That was a deeply convicting, insta-humble moment. And I go, oh, Jesus, let's start again then with you as the cornerstone and everything else measures up to you. And that became a very defining moment in my life because I was declaring and confessing the word, but I wasn't acting in accordance with that word. And so um, that's what I want to share this morning. And <clears throat> the other thing, if I, I need to pace myself. I have a lot to say, but you only need to hear a certain amount of that. And so help me, Holy Spirit, to get the right words. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> this year, I've, I designed a, um, a growth tool um, for anybody that's interested in being transformed. I'm calling it a transformation journal because that's what it is. It's, meant, it's, not, it's not meant to be a uh, commentary. Uh, it's meant to help you in the process of transformation because that is the mandate. And uh, probably about 12 or 13 years ago, I designed a system out of um, absolute uh, desperation because I found I was reading the Word, studying the Word, but I was not being transformed. And I said, something's wrong with the system. <laughs> So I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to offer you a system this morning. You might have a better system. Then use your system, please. But um, I have a few other ideas in mind for the future. And um, so I hope that that'll be a, a blessing for you. Take your Bibles and turn to <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16. 
<clears throat> Matthew chapter 16, which, which I think is the headquarters of New Testament ecclesiology. And, um, and I feel like there's so much said in this statement uh, that I'm about to read, so much is said that, um, that it's very, very challenging to keep it to a, you know, just a few comments. But, but when we talk about why, why church, um, there's four reasons why church. The first one, church is designed to help you to grow. Secondly, it's designed to govern, it's designed to guard, and it's also designed to guide. And uh, I want to talk about those in, not in that order, but something like that. I find that when I look at church history, I'm very surprised how incredibly resilient it's been over the years, why it's still going, <laughs> and uh, why it's actually an, uh, strong and healthy and vibrant. That's because Christ is building his church. <laughs> When we learn to take our hands off the building project and just roll up our sleeves as co-laborers for Christ, we find that he is getting the job done around the world, and, and it's growing at an at a astronomical rate. And so I'm really excited um, to see that. So Matthew chapter 16, which I love, <clears throat> um, I love this chapter, and uh, particularly this part where Jesus, or Peter makes a declaration about who Jesus is. Um, <clears throat> Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, verse 13, and he said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? <clears throat> I like that he answers his question within the question. And he says, well, some say that you're <clears throat> John the Baptist, some Elijah, others say Jeremiah, and, uh, or one of the other prophets, um, which, let me just say this, there's lots of caricatures of Christ around the world. <laughs> All kinds of people think he's different things, and we only get our bearing and our anchor points from scripture. And, and he, <clears throat> at that point, Simon Peter, when he asked, who do you say that I am? Which is a question that each of us have to answer. Who do you say he is? Not who I say he is, but who do you say he is? And uh, he answers by saying this, <clears throat> he said, excuse me, that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon Son of John, I just like all the sons and father thing, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. You cannot learn from any human being who Jesus is. You can study him all your, all your life if you want, but you need heaven to reveal to you who he is. There's lots of people study the life of Jesus, but they are completely non-followers, non-believers. They just... So you can, so here, here's his point. He says, you can't get this from a human. I can do my best to explain it to you, but you have to get it from heaven. <laughs> this is wonderful. Uh, he says that heaven's revealed this to you. Is that my father, wow, in heaven, you didn't learn this from any human being, nor can it be learned. But I say to you <clears throat> that you're Peter or Petros, and upon this rock, <clears throat> uses a play in words, rock, Peter, the rock star, five words, I will build my church, big phrase, and then he says this, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven, and whatever you, wow, you lock on, open on earth will be open in heaven, and he sternly warned them not to tell anyone that he was a Messiah, always a confusing point for me, but all, all of his teaching will not replace a revelation from heaven. <laughs> they need to get their own revelation. And uh, this is an important thing because church uh, is a revelation. 
It's, it's, it's not a building. It's not a place to hide. It's not a fortress. But it is, it is a force on the earth made up of those people who have committed their lives to Christ. And when you get, bring your life to Christ, you're not a disciple. You're simply, at that point, you're a child. And now you learn to walk. First step is accepting Christ. Then we learn to walk with him for the rest of our life. Um, I love what happens here, this interplay. <clears throat> and here's why it's important that if we don't get the who before the what, we will function out of our own soul and out of performance. You'll begin to try and fulfill what you think God wants you to do without knowing who he is. This is always the issue. <laughs> battles are fought. Uh, religious battles are fought. When Jesus said, the way that we'll, we'll know, you'll know my, that you're sons of God is you're peacemakers. So, so they got a funny, funky, strange revelation of Jesus. And so, so this is, the idea is once you get a revelation of who Jesus is, you'll get a revelation of who you are. That's what happened to Peter. Once he had the revelation of who Jesus was, he got a revelation of himself. And so my primary purpose in studying the scriptures is discovering the author and who he is currently to me because your revelation of Jesus from 2018 needs to be upgraded to a revelation of Jesus in 2019. It's the only way that we grow. He said, this is how I'm going <clears> to <throat> build or grow. This is how you will grow as a follower in Christ is by getting a revelation of Jesus. And this revelation gets bigger and bigger and broader and broader, and you'll never exhaust your revelation of Jesus. It's a, this is a very significant deal. So while I'm talking about identity in, 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 as a sub-point, because a church it should be a place where you discover Jesus, but you also discover yourself. So it's in the... In this context that your true you gets discovered and developed. And so this becomes not just a birthing room, but a workout room. <laughs> I was t telling Kelly that I believe in resistance training. I resist training. <clears throat> but this becomes a place where you get to flex a few of your spiritual muscles. This team up here trained, but they had to step out in a little bit of faith, and they had to realize that Jesus was the one who would hold them as where they're worshiping. I, I'm the same. When I, have a, I feel very weak oftentimes to preach, but I got a vision of Jesus holding me like this right here, his big arms like this, and I go, gosh, I feel like the, I got the silver bullet over me now. Nothing can touch me. That's why I get so overly confident sometimes. Why did I say that? Because I feel this the strength. Because I've learned that in my weakness, he can be extremely strong. Have you learned that Jesus is your strength yet? He's more than your savior. Here's your strength. You feel weak, he can be your strength. If anybody is feeling that way today, you can... This morning, the revelation for me was that, that, that he, uh, God was speaking to Abraham and he says, I'll be your shelter. Have you, has anybody ever had to run into the Lord as a place of a refuge? If not, you've got that ahead. He can be your shelter. Are you feeling like bombarded on every side? Gosh, tuck into the name of the Lord. and the, He's a refuge and he becomes a high tower more than your savior. He's your protector and defender and he's ripped. <laughs> he is. He is. So the truth is, is as, as a follower of Christ, we need certain environments of growth. And church is meant to be one of those for you. This can't be the only one. 
This is where we do our best to share our revelation with you and do our best to create an environment filled with faith. But you need to be feeding yourself every day. Um, this, this, this is, in, in one sense, it's a fast food. It's like that protein whey that's half digested. It's all, <laughs> right? It should be easy for you to assimilate, but it's not enough for you to live on. You've got to get your own revelation. You've got to go home and see if I'm telling the truth or not. <laughs> you, you need to do that. Um, so don't, don't trust me. Well, trust me, but don't <laughs> work it out. That's what I'm saying. Why? why? Because there's a place of growth. And you're meant to grow up and to mature and to develop. It's a pl- and so it'll be a little uncomfortable. And I'm a, you might, somebody might say, no, 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 two more reps. You can do it. And you might want to punch them in the face. But the whole point is we're trying to help you grow. So here's my word. Grow up. Not grow up. Grow up. <clears throat> Because we're meant to grow up in Christ. That's what we're meant to do. And so church becomes a place where you grow up. <clears throat> so I'm inviting you to grow up. It's like, and I, and I personally think that you, for anyone to get a proper revelation of the church, they have to have a revelation of marriage. Um, this is what Ephesians chapter 5 says when he's speaking about marriage. He said, but I'm really speaking about Christ and the church. And if you don't have a revelation of marriage, you won't have a revelation of the church and vice versa. Um, why? Because this is, not, this is not meant to be an army barracks where you're told what to do. This is a family where you're invited to be part of a, of a whole healthy family. As we're, we're as dysfunctional as the church down the road, but we're trying to put the fun back in dysfunctional. That's all. <coughs> so, so don't expect the church to be perfect. Gosh, it sure isn't because it's made up of a whole bro- bunch of broken people and your leader included. But what we're doing is we're in the process are being transformed. As our minds are being transformed, so then our lives are being transformed. And we need to create environments of growth, like a little greenhouse here for you to help you grow as fast, as tall, and as strong as you can. So um, I'm just thinking about these functions of the church, and I just want to kind of skip through this, but I don't want to, uh, I don't want to miss it, because Jesus doesn't talk about the church on his, his first round of preaching. He talks about the kingdom. He talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. For me, those terms are interchangeable. They're just in different books. They're talking to a different audience. Uh, you may have a different rev on that. Bless you. Um, he, but, but he talks about, first, about the kingdom of heaven, right? His first message in John, um, Matthew chapter 3, was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And um, a little bit later, they said, teach us to pray. He said, pray this way. Your kingdom come. Because his message was about the kingdom. But partway in to his ministry, why by chapter 16, he introduces a brand new term. And the term is ecclesia. And that term was not known in biblical or in, in theological or Jewish circles. It was, it was a governmental term. It was a, a jurisdictional term. And next week we'll talk about the church uh, and its function as governing. And so, so it was meant to be those, and it typically ecclesia comes from, from together called. So those who are called together. And in the Roman government at that time, there was a group called together, and they were to make decisions, and they were to make mandates, and to rule, and that was, that was their role. And he said, and so he knew exactly the term that he was using. He said, I will build my ecclesia, those called out ones, those gathered ones who will not just govern, but they'll actually develop a brand new culture uh, under, uh, opposed to the kingdom of this world. It'll be the kingdom of our God. And so you and I can be part of this. <clears throat> 
when someone, <clears throat> now, now over the years <clears throat> and through different translations, uh, they've, they've left the word ecclesia, but we've lost a bit of its nuance, and it's come to mean something more like a religious hierarchical order, an order, or a location, or a place of worship. So if I were to say to you, I'm going to church, you would naturally say, ah, oh, you're going to a building. This is, he's not referring to a building. He's referring to a people. So when someone says to me that I think that, Pastor Lauren, I think that we, we're going to leave the church, I go, well, you can't. Now, I say it nicely because technically you can go wherever you want, but you are the church. You can't leave you. Yeah, that's so, good. so we use this. We have to understand that we have changed the meaning of church to be a location or a place of worship when it was meant to be a people who were designed to enforce governmental rule from heaven to earth. And so that change, that's like a game changer for us because we're shifting atmospheres and we're declaring prophecies into the future. And we're, that's the function. We're not just a sit and soak. We're actually supposed to be doing something. Uh, but we do that as a family. That's why we do it. So that's, first of all, primarily, uh, that's who we are. And so I honestly believe that the church um, is the hope of the world. But let me state as well emphatically that Jesus is the hope of the church. <laughs> when he's left out of the church, it can't be built his way. Therefore, it will not withstand the powers of hell. Your church, that, let me phrase it, my church that I was building uh, could not take the forces of hell that were coming against it. But the church that Jesus is building using us now can actually take any force in hell because he promised me that those forces would not prevail against his body, the body of Christ, the beautiful bride of Christ, the church of the living God. That's a different deal. We're to so, it's a, so just understanding that the term, what that, what that means, is that that means that's a very anointed group of people. So, so the, the, the question, as I read through the Bible again, um, uh, I, I come to those four questions in Genesis, and, and again, I'm, I'm, um, uh, I'm, I'm amazed with the breadth of the question, and, and I got stopped on that one about where he says to Adam, he said, did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to touch? And uh, Adam, being, um, you know, the honest fellow that he was, uh, he was, by the way, they were the first ones to agree to the terms and conditions of Apple. Okay, um, <laughs> bad, I know, it's bad, science bad, it's very bad, couldn't resist. Um, so he says, no, I didn't, I ate from the, from the woman that you gave me. I understand that blaming is a curse on all relationships, I get that. But here was the issue, Adam was functioning on a second-hand revelation. So, you, she, so, so he was going by what she said, rather than what his God said. You can't just go by what I say. You need to go by what he, what he says. I, can't, I don't want to create a dysfunctional family. I want to create a highly functional family who knows their God. Those are the ones who do great exploits. So I, I need us to grow up into who we are in Christ and become all that we're called to be in that called out group that we're learning to get along with. That's, that's the point. And so... I th when I think about that, I, I think about, okay, so then, Lord, what is, what my, what's my role then as a church leader? Well, I'm meant to lead and feed you, clearly. But can I just say very kindly that you're meant to feed yourself as well? So just very, very kindly, like, grow up and feed yourself. 
I'm going to do my best on Sunday to share some things that I'm learning, but that's not nearly as good as the stuff that you're learning day in, day out. So I want you to become those people who are searching the Word all the time, every day. And that's why I've created this tool to help you. Uh, and those of you who have tried before and give up on journaling, I just want you to resurrect that desire because I think it's a, it's a, it's a tool for transformation. So, so a very interesting thing happens um, to Saul. He, in Acts chapter 9, he's, um, he gets knocked off his horse, blinding light hits him, and, and, and Jesus says these words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is like just thunders in my heart. And here, here's why it does, because he wasn't actually persecuting those people. Because those people who were the ones who were following Christ, they were called the way at that time. Here, here's, here's, here's the issue, and I've heard it over and over again. Ah, oh, yeah, well, the church hurt me. Oh, and the church does it. Oh, they're gossipers, they're hypocrites, all they want is a bunch of money. I said, careful, because you're talking about the beautiful bride of Christ. Just be careful how you talk about his bride. Any man who's ever been married and his bride was getting all gussied up for the wedding and she was starting to look beautiful and pure and white, any man with a heartbeat would say, just a minute, don't talk about my bride that way. This is the bride of Christ you're talking about. To create you and I, it took him a handful of dirt. But in order for him to birth the church, it took the death of his son. He's paid an intense price. He needed, a, he needed creation. All he had to do was speak. He needed a nation. All he had to do was give them a promise. But when he birthed the church, it took the blood of his son. This thing that we're building is sacred because it's the beautiful bride of Christ. Be careful how you talk about her. Um. <clears throat> um, I just, you know, I kind of need to say that because in growing up, here's what will happen when you're part of a family, is your, 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 your siblings will act up. So here's how I know if you're growing up, if you've moved from a consumer to being a contributor. Have you, know, have you noticed in your family? There's a certain point where the kids, they no longer are waiting for you to change their diaper. They actually have worked that out all themselves. Have you noticed that as they grew up, they're no longer just saying, Mom, feed me, Mom, clothe me, but they're actually dressing themselves. What's happening? They're growing up. So what happens in a church when you're challenged to grow? What happens when you're challenged to mature? You know that, like, youth only lasts, like, so long, but immaturity can last for an entire lifetime. I've met many people who are, have lots of years on me that still function like little babies. They still whined about this. They criticized about that. They complained about this. They weren't, years won't make you full of faith and full of favor and full of life and full of love and full of joy. That, it won't, years won't do that. You can stay a big baby your whole life. That pastor's not feeding me. Well, feed yourself. Grow up. Well, <laughs> doing my best. But you do it yourself. You've got a Bible, don't you? It's no longer chained to the pulpit. If not, we got some out in the foyer. Buy one, feed yourself. Don't count on me to feed you. I say all this with a big smile and a heavy heart. Body of Christ needs to get strong. 
I ordered a TRX this week, and uh, because of this, all these strange sounds I make when I get up in the morning, <coughs> I got to I got to loosen up and I got to get into shape. And but you know what? That thing about that TRX, it just won't work unless I do. I found I, I when I was a young fellow, I ordered a whole bunch of weights. I found them really heavy. <laughs> what do you mean? I do that all day. I'm throwing bales all day. Why would I want to come in the house? I had a chart. I'm gonna, you know, no one's gonna kick sand in my face, and I go, oh, that's so heavy. Just a big baby. Um, church is a place to grow and develop and to mature. And um, and I just, I just want to remind us all of that. What happens in the church typically is um, the church is funded by probably about 15% of the people here, probably, that are call this church their home. We probably have about 900 members or so, and it's usually about five or 600 on a weekend. And the um, question you need to ask is, would this church survive uh, if everybody gave the same amount as I did? I'm just putting it out there. Would this church survive if everybody contributed as much as I did? And some just say, well, well, we leave that to the paid staff. No, no, we're supposed to train the saints for the work of the ministry. That's our role. <laughs> we're supposed to train you so you'll do the work. I, 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 I hope that's not a too big of a paradigm shift. Um, across North America, 7% of the church tithes. It's commanded in Scripture. The issue is not resources, it's obedience. I don't know what you think about tithing, but you probably don't want to study it in case it's real. <laughs> I, find, I find people all of a sudden become absolute scholars in Scripture when they don't want to give. Nobody argues with me about tithing when they want to give more. What if I could just sneak away with like 9%? Yeah, be a cheapskate. Find out how that works. What, that's not tithing. What, what if I could? Well, give what you want. I'm, I'm not here to force you to do anything. But I am here not to just teach you. The mandate of the Great Commission was teach them to obey. <laughs> Teaching your kids is easy. Teaching them to obey. That's a dang, that's an impossible task. <laughs> well, here's what they need. They need models. They need people to see because they do what they see, not what you say. This is a big deal. I want to wrap up. I don't want to because I'm enjoying this a little bit. But I think I need to. Um, <clears throat> what happens, um, so the last point I want to make is that uh, I've designed a growth tool. You don't need to use it if you don't want to. You don't have to. It doesn't matter. You, you might have a better one. But about November, I, I decided that I just felt this really strong prompting to, to design a journal that would help people to be transformed and not just talk about it because I'm, I'm teach, I want to teach you, but I also want you to learn yourself. So <clears throat> what I did, I sat down and I hammered out uh, some instructions on how to journal. Um, this, is, this is not about, you know, Dear Diary. This is about being transformed to the image of Christ. And so it begins for me. So I'm just telling you what I do. Kelly has a better system. Well, not really, but I'm going to say that publicly just because we sleep together. Uh, <clears throat> I'm saying that she's got her own system, and it's beautiful, and it works for her. And so that's, that's great. I read through the Bible. I've read through it a number of times. Uh, reading the, through the Bible will not change you. <clears throat> Somebody's hair just stood up on the back of their neck. I, I, no, I mean it. I've, I've read through it lots of times. It hasn't changed me. Not reading it. You're not meant to just read it. You're meant to live it. Yeah. It's got to change your choices. It's got to shift your soul. It's got to, it, it's not, reading the Bible is not the same as studying it, and studying the Bible is different than incarnating it. This word has to become flesh. Otherwise, it's just ink and paper. That's all it is. 
I mean, it's beautiful. It's the perfect word of God. But it, when it says you'll know the truth and truth will liberate you, it doesn't mean that you'll hear a truth. It, do, it doesn't mean you'll hear of a truth. It means the word know is like Adam knew his wife. You'll have a living interaction with it. That's what you've had. It's now alive in you. You're intimate with it. You've actually had an experience and an encounter with the word. You don't just know it. I've heard lots of people, they can memorize scripture. They're just as mean as a badger. Like, they're honestly, haven't you met people? They, they, can, they can quote scripture, but they're just, nobody wants them at their parties. They're no fun. Right? They're just bitter and small-minded, and, but, they, but they've memorized the scripture. You just want to say, man, give me a card-carrying pagan who's happy. <laughs> Rather than someone who can quote, throw the, thump the Bible at you and not live it. Um, let me be, I'm, I'm, I need a nap. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to that. But here's what I've done. <clears throat> I've wrote a little introduction. And, um, and a, a guy by the name of James Clear wrote a great book called Atomic Habits. And um, I, think it's, I think it has some bi biblical under, undercurrents to it. It's about how you change behavior. He said you need three things to change behavior. You need a goal. Goal won't change you. Otherwise, we'd all be Olympians. Goal won't change you. Vision won't change you. You have to have a process to fulfill that vision. So what's more important, the goal or the process? The process. Goals are cheap. Processes are difficult because now you've got to stick with them. But here's the only way that a goal or a behavior change will stick is if it becomes part of your identity. Biggest battle that you ever, ever fight in your Christian walk will be over identity. That's why a revelation of Jesus is required. So I take the scriptures and I read them and I say, Lord, what's standing out in here for me? And so then I write it down. I usually start the top of my page with a theme. Because either I'll wake up with a theme or else I'll do my journaling and then I'll come back. Ah, there's a theme. It's leadership. Or ah, there's a theme. It's relationship. And then I highlight that so when I can skim back through it and find it. You can take these questions I have in here, by the way, and put them in any notebook you can buy for a buck seventy-nine. But today, if you buy them today, you'll get two for the price of two. I'm not trying to make money. I'm trying to change people. I'm trying to transformation to take place. So here's what happens. If you say, if you, because if you set down a thing, uh, you know, in 2019, here's what I, here's my goal. Uh, I'm going to lose weight. Okay, that has no power. It's nice, sentimental. It's nice. And then if the, your process, I'm going to try to eat healthier. Powerless. You have to begin to change the way that you see yourself because you never function consistently in a specific manner until you change the way that you see yourself. It's just how it works. So what you have to do, you, you, you actually in your, so what I get, what I do is I don't just take this word and begin to build it into who I am. I begin to incarnate it to how I think and see myself. I know that seems a little bit, but it's the same with the TRX. This won't work if you don't. Uh, anybody's interested in being transformed, it's going to take some work. S plain and simple. So I start off with a title, and uh, sometimes that's before and after. Then I take a text and I write it out. You want to do this on your computer, have at it. And then I write out the truth that I'm extracting from that. And I keep that truth on just a line. And then I go straight into thanksgiving. Why is that important? Because thanksgiving is the oxygen of the soul. It's the only antidote, the, the, the anti-venom for entitlement. If millennials could just get more thankful, they'd be less entitled. Hashtag Pastor Lauren. 
So I just, because, <clears throat> but here's what you do. You just start to get thankful. Thankfulness is access to the presence of God. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. And you need to become, we need to become a people that are incredibly thankful. We've got so much to be thankful for. And then I have declarations of destiny. I do this probably about two or three days a week. I don't do it every day. But I start to write out, after I've read from that scripture now, I say, here's my I am's. Jesus had I am statements. You need I am statements. So I, be, I begin to write them out. And if you don't have any I am statements from that, from that passage of scripture, today, today, not only will you get one of these, but we will throw in a bookmark with 60 I am statements for 2019. $12 or two for 20 and two free bookmarks. <laughs> Compiled by me, but from the word of God. And so then what I do is I engage my will. Your soul has a will. I don't know if you, I find some people have I won'ts, but you have an I will. So we begin to then engage our soul and saying, because Lord, you're my shelter, then I will walk confidently protected by you today. And I will, this is what I will do. And then the next thing I do is I write, I choose. Those three statements are three of the most powerful statements you'll ever use in your vocabulary. Why am I saying this? I'm saying if I say it to you, it has very minimal Im impact. If you say it to yourself, it has incredible influence. Now what are you doing? You're starting to visualize yourself as that person. Me and my TRX, here's what I will say. I, I choose to stretch two times a month. <laughs> Therefore, I am very flexible for a 70-year-old. I'm thinking ahead. <laughs> I'm very flexible and, and in great shape. I'll say that to myself. Once I begin to incarnate that, you know what happens? I be, the goal actually is not as important, but the identity now just makes the goal, it just happens in the course of a day. Because I built in a system, I've shifted my identity, and I've also been able to make declarations of who I am according to the Word of God, which has incredible power. No, I wasn't looking for applause. I was saying, let's stand, sorry. <laughs> we have Bibles, uh, we, we don't have a book uh, room, shelf, we've got a table. Someday we'll have a book room, two for 20, one for 12, two bookmarks included. Um, I want to I see our body transformed this year. I don't know how badly you want to grow, change, I want to. I want to continually be conformed to the image of Christ. The Christ of the Bible, not the Christ of culture. So I need the Word of God incarnated in my life. I hope you feel the same. If you're, we have a prayer team here. If you're dealing with significant identity issues, specific battles, you're in a transition, we'd be happy to pray for you. I just invite the team to come up now. And um, if you're dealing with any kind of issue of any kind, we're here to pray for you. If you don't know Christ... Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.